This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's down the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey everybody, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, ScoopDuck.com, and 96.1, 580, The Game. This is Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. I'm just going to warn you right now, I got a cold, and so I want to talk ducks for an hour and have a real fun pod today. I'm not going to sound fun. Right. And, and you were joking with me just now, you said, hey, don't worry about it, because... You have kids, so, I have kids, so you're yeah. never going to yeah. catch it. Any germ you've come in contact with, I've probably done the same, other than that virus that's apparently starting to sweep the nation. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's that Asian grocery store in Portland, Yuija uh, Maya, and it's right next to my fiance's house. We go there every time I'm up, and I am a little paranoid now. <laughs> did something happen? Oh, I'm sure. Did I eat something? Did right. I, did I find something? What did I touch? It's the Twilight Zone. Yeah. We still don't know. Did an insect bite me? Who knows? Oh, God. There's a, I haven't started, I haven't watched it yet, but there's a, sh- there's a series on Netflix that just came out. I forget what it's called. I think it was, what was it called? Is it Pandemonium? I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically about, hey, here's what we know. And I'm just reading off of what I saw in the description. <laughs> we know that viruses are coming and we know that we can't combat all of them. Yes. It's only a matter True of. True story. Yeah. It's yeah. like. Awesome. This is really uplifting. I'm, I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. No. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, ducks. So this is a pretty sweet week for Duck fans, I think, because you get to look back mm-hmm. and, and look at players that are moving on to the next level. Right. Justin Herbert doing that interview with the uh, the Reese's mascot and yep. winning Senior Bowl MVP. And then you get to ask questions about the future of this team and you get to look and and just kind of revel in what they did this year. Yeah, it's uh it's like you said it's a great culmination week, I guess if you will. You know, we're still just a couple of weeks removed from the end of the season. You know, people are still riding somewhat high on the Rose Bowl win. Seems like Washington fans really kind of have a bad taste in their mouth right at the moment. I wonder why. So there's a lot of seems to be a lot of two-way <laughs> bickering there between the the fan bases, which is always there. Um, you know, in terms of of like, you know, instant excitement right now. There's not a ton. Normally, you know, I wouldn't say normally, but in years past, before the early signing period, this was like a week where I would see substantial growth on the site and I'd be, you know, busy and my phone would be, we might not even be having a podcast normally. You know, the Ducks might be hosting a big group of official visitors this weekend. Wow. You know, might have had some last weekend. I mean, they, they signed 20, 27 guys in December. Yeah. There's only a couple spots left. 27 really good guys. Yeah, I mean, there's only a couple spots left, and they're not even – like, it's not even a for sure thing you've got to fill them because you might – you know, with, with today's graduate transfer market, you've got to have open scholarships. I don't care who you are. You, I mean, if somebody pops up and you don't have a spot, yeah, you're going to be pissed. Yeah. You know, so – Well, it, it gets back to – not a graduate transfer, but a similar situation with Devin Williams yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. And I remember you saying on this podcast and doing your radio hits with No and, and all those guys up north about how the only reason the Ducks even had a shot at this guy was they could move something around and get him a scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately make it work. And that's, a, you know, that's the key. And again, I I think heading into the spring, Oregon doesn't have a ton of holes on the roster, but they got a couple of areas, I want—I don't want to call them holes. I, w- I just want to say areas that they might be looking to improve, and and we can, you know, we can talk about quarterback. I don't think that it's necessary that they want to improve at quarterback and are looking at graduate transfers for that. I think Tyler Shuck's going to be a good quarterback. I think they believe in him, but let's just kind of face facts. It's it's pretty, it's it's really unproven behind him. That's yeah. the word I want to use. Yeah, it's really unproven, and you know, if you just go hand it off to Tyler Shuck. And hope he doesn't get hurt all year. You're really playing with fire. So, so I see it from a depth pers- uh, standpoint. 
Um, I don't think Oregon's out there trying to get a guy because they're that concerned about Tyler Shuck. I think they're more concerned about what's behind Tyler Shuck right now. And I think that's really enlightening because it touches on something you've written about and something that we've seen really just sort of mumbled for the last couple of years yeah. with this coaching staff of, hey, just wait till Shuck's the guy. Just wait till Shuck has his chance. There are people in that building that love him. Yeah. Um, we just haven't seen it in a game. Right. And it just so happens, this is why I think this next season is so fascinating. Just so happens, you got to play a crazy good, way underrated, way underappreciated FCS national champ, yeah. North Dakota State. Right. That team can can beat a D1 school. I'm stunned the Ducks even signed up to play them. Right. This could be a trap. And then you get off the high of that game. And guess who comes to town? Yeah. Buckeye Nation, baby. That's going to be something. Um, yeah, I think twofold here. Well, a couple things. Okay, you mentioned Tyler Shuck, and I'm excited to see what he can do as the guy. I'm also equally excited to see what he can do in a Joel Moorhead offense. Yes. I mean, we're we're talking about a twofold situation there where you got a new quarterback and there's some excitement there. Will he be Justin Herbert? No, he'll be a different quarterback. It doesn't mean he can't be as efficient of a quarterback. A couple weeks removed from that. Dust settled. How mm -hmm. do you feel about that hire? Um, yeah. I, I'll say this. I have yet to read anything negative about the hire anywhere. Athletic, ESPN. I mean, shoot, even Washington fans are like, man. That's a really good hire. You know what I mean? Like you just you're you're at Mississippi State fans as as rough as the last two seasons have been. Even they're like, that's a really good hire for right. you guys. You know what I mean? Right. Just it's 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 very rare that you get a unanimous, you know, virtually unanimous um, hire like that. So I think it's going to be great, and I think Oregon's going to be. I think Mario Cristobal is going to do his best to hold on to Joe Moorhead as long as possible. I believe, and I feel that I defended Marcus Arroyo. A pretty fair amount um, I wasn't ready to throw him under the bus a lot of times but I certainly will agree there are a lot of areas this offense can improve and I think Joe Moorhead really brings to light those things and will really you know will really push those things to the next level the run game is going to be good you've kept Alex Mirabal and you've kept Jim Mastro and maybe they weren't offensive coordinators, but they understood the run game incredibly well. They, uh, Jim Astro was a huge part of that for Marcus Rowe. He'll be he'll be a very huge part of that with Joe Moorhead. So I think the elements of the run game will be similar. It's just going to be the passing elements that Oregon was was really lacking, in my opinion. And I think that'll be something that Joe Moorhead does. No doubt. I, I can't wait to see. Um, and we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. feels like every week. But when you have some of those new faces on the line, yeah. not to say the old guys weren't good, but... I, I can just dream of the Ducks running behind Jonah Tawanu'u right. and just saying, okay, go go carry somebody 10 yards down the field. Yeah. You got this. Yeah. And or, he's got it. Or Sala. I mean, basically all these li all these guys are going to be bigger and more athletic. And, I want, and again, I'm going to say this from a very respectful and appreciative manner, but these guys are going to be bigger and stronger than the absolute best version of of Shane Lemieux and yes. Calvick Throckmorton yes. ever could be. Without a doubt. Th those guys were great, consistent, love them. You know, I love Throckmorton and his versatility. I love all those things. But these guys are going to come in with so much more room to grow and probably already meet their best day. And I think if you split the season into, all right, first two games are a gauntlet. Yeah. I, I don't care about North Dakota State, who they play. That team wins. That team can win. They can beat anybody. And then you got to play Ohio State doesn't matter where you play them. still a playoff team, Ohio yeah. State. Forget about those two games and just look at the Pac-12 schedule. There is no school in the Pac-12, nobody, that signs guys that can handle the hogs Mario has signed on the O-line. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, and, I, and we could touch on this in a bit, but when, when, you're, when you're talking about uh, rankings, rankings were a hot topic yesterday, 24-7 sports updated theirs, Rivals did theirs last week. Obviously, some changes in the composite. Is Washington ahead? Is Oregon ahead? It's splitting hairs, but I, under, I understand fans being, hey, we're number one. Well, yeah, you're number one, but it's by, you know, 0.04% of, uh, of margins or points. You know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty minuscule. And ultimately, that fraction is not really going to show up on the field. You know, it's pretty much just bragging rights at that point. 
But the the point is, um, when it comes to rankings, I, I think ranking services as a whole, and this is not just at 24-7 sports, really struggle at accurately ranking offensive linemen and defensive linemen, specifically defensive tackles. Why? They're just they're incredibly, incredibly, ridiculously hard to project. I mean, you're you're taking a, a high school junior or senior, you're projecting their their growth. They're you're projecting, and I know you're projecting every position, but that group, that that particular body type, that group has such a huge variance of how far you know, it can move one way or the other. Whereas I think like a quarterback or a running back or even a wide receiver for that matter, sure, they can improve. Obviously, you're projecting. There's a lot of things there, but I think your your variance is much smaller. And I know you can see my hands. People on the podcast can't see my hands. But um, so linemen have just always, and, and, and that includes the NFL. I, the NFL does a better job. Their scouts do a better job. But they, once again, still have a tough time projecting. That's why you see a lot of these sixth, seventh round offensive linemen starting. I mean, the Patriots made a living off that. Right. You can find them. You got to know what you're looking for, but you can find them. So uh, my point to that is, and where I was going, is that I think ranking services, you know, Jordan Scott was a three-star. You know, I think there's a number of three-stars in this recruiting class that Oregon signed specifically on a defensive line that are going to be really, really good players. And my bigger point as I get back to it, Oregon and Mario Cristobal have gone out and signed some absolute monsters on the offensive and defensive line that nobody else in the conference has built to handle. Yeah. They just aren't. Yeah. They really aren't. Now, does that mean Oregon can go and push around Alabama? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But you, they can push around Stanford. But they can, they can def- push around USC. Yeah. We've seen it. We yeah. know it. And they're only getting bigger and better. That's the thing. I think Oregon's done a tremendous job getting to the point they're at now, but they're only, I mean, we're talking about the next wave of offensive linemen. Steven Jones is a monster. Mala Isala Amave is a freaking monster. I yes. mean, you yes. know, these dudes are about to come in and start mauling dudes on the defensive line. You know, their offensive linemen going to maul defensive linemen in the, in the conference. And, you know, you're talking about a guy like Jordan Scott. Sure, Mario Cristobal didn't sign him, but the guys behind him that he's brought in, you know, are are big and strong and fast. And, I mean, we're seeing a guy like Brandon Dorless who comes in at like 280-ish pounds, 285. And you have loved him from the get-go. Loved him from the get-go, but he's an edge. Like that kind of size with that kind of speed doesn't exist yes. in the Pac-12 outside of Oregon. Mm-hmm. At times you see it at USC, at times. I'm not sure that we see it right now, but – there are times you've seen it at USC, but across the board, you know, a Kayvon Thibodeau and a Brandon Dorless, and I know Christian Williams is a guy that's played really well, just hasn't been able to play much because Jordan Scott's there. This next wave of line is really going to separate Oregon. My bigger point, and it's going to go way back, I think almost to two things you mentioned, North Dakota State. I love that game for two reasons for Oregon, and I'll say for Oregon for two reasons. A, on your worst day, you should be able to beat North Dakota State even on their best day because athlete for athlete, you line up the 22 across offense and defense starting 22. You destroy them athletically at every position. No question. You hope so. You do. You there's, no so. Way, there's no way. Just go. That's not even close. It's like saying Portland State can match up with Oregon just from a physicality standpoint. They can't. They don't have the bodies to do it. But that doesn't mean North Dakota State's not well coached and and find guys that fit their scheme and what they're doing. They're, my point to that is they're a really good team, and they are going to force you to play good football. But nine and a half days out of ten, you should always beat them if you're Oregon. So I think it sets you up for a really good first test and really makes you earn a win. Sure, it won't be a 77-6 you know, win over Nevada like, like we saw last season. It won't be that. But I think it's a very it's I think you will learn more as a football team totally beating North Dakota State 31 to 21 than you will learn about your team beating Nevada 77 to six. I totally agree. I, I think it's similar to the Auburn game last year in that would you rather have that easy win for playoff ranking? Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. But would you rather have that tough game early in the year to mold you to then get to that point in the first place right Mario Cristobal and and to his credit uh Rob Mullins they've taken that approach 
Yeah, because this obviously we live in hypotheticals, people. At least when we're talking about Oregon football and recruiting, so just go with that. But playing devil's advocate, let's say you scheduled Sacramento State instead of Auburn for your first game last year. Mm-hmm. Oregon basically sleepwalks its way to Washington. If you haven't, because Stanford just wasn't very good, and we kind of knew that. Right. But you get to you get to Washington last year. Maybe that's your first real game, and you're five and zero or six and zero or whatever the schedule was. But you've never played anybody. But you haven't played anybody, and that's your first game. You you might not be ready. You you might not beat Washington in that instance because you didn't have Auburn up front that says, "Hey, look, yeah, we lost to Auburn, but look, this is what we did wrong. If we just fix this, we should have a chance against you know Washington. We should be okay." Sure, they're different teams, but you learn a lot about your team in a loss. And, totally. and, and I, I think that's my point. You learn way more in a loss than in, in a victory usually. And, and I think uh, I don't think Oregon will lose to North Dakota State, but I think there will be areas of the game where they struggle, and that will give them valuable game film to go into that second week of Ohio State and say, hey, guys, look, our back end wasn't very tight, or, hey, our, our splits on the offensive line weren't very good. We've got to tighten that up. Ohio State will abuse us there. I think it sets you up for a really good, challenging, but winnable game. And I really like the North Dakota State game for Oregon. Yeah. Just yeah. because of that. I, I, again, it's a, it's not as hard as Auburn, uh, as tough of an Auburn, but it's, again, it's going to push you. I think you're going to learn. I think Mario Cristobal is going to learn about, he's going to learn a lot about Tyler Shuck. He's going to learn about his offensive line, you know, how, where they're at, what they need to fix. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be key areas, obviously, early on this season. And. You know, you skip past those question marks. I think he's going to learn about the best defense in the Pac-12. He's going to learn just how good it is, real quick, man. I t- boy, there's there's this is not a hot take by any means, but Oregon's obviously going to get carried by the defense. As good as Joe Moorhead's offense could or could not be next year, there's no doubt in my mind the defense is going to keep Oregon in any football game they have all year, including Ohio State. Yes, but. Yes. For Oregon to go from a pretty good team where they are now to being a great team, the offense will have to be the difference there. Totally agree. And and we got tons of time to break that down. Uh, you mentioned recruiting. Yeah. It's pretty solid right now. Yeah. You know, you just you have the guys that you brought in last month and you're just hoping to get them involved, right? Yeah. I mean, Oregon hosted, you know, or Oregon hosted three official visitors this past weekend. Uh you know, one of them was uh, one who already signed four-star wide receiver Chris Hudson. So nothing there other than just you know getting him up for his official and letting his family meet the meet the coaching staff and stuff and hang out for the weekend. Also gives you a commit on campus to help with the other guys that they brought in. Uh, you know, Oregon hosted another receiver, four-star wide receiver, and Malachi Weidman, currently a what all you know. I'm using air quotes here. Soft commit to Florida State. Uh, most in the industry, whether it's 24/7 Sports rivals, uh, you know. Don't believe he'll ultimately sign with FSU. It seems like Tennessee's a pretty good threat at this particular moment. Um, there's a lot of a lot of buzz about uh, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin kind of coming in there late, which you know could be something to watch for too. Um, you know Tennessee gives me pause because uh, as Oregon fans know, uh, uh, they've got a pretty good recruiter down there in T. Martin that uh, recruited the lights out of wide receivers while he was at USC. Yeah. So that's something to watch there. Um, but anyways, they brought Malachi Weidman in, and they brought Alabama commit uh, defensive lineman Jason Jones in this weekend as well. So those were the two in-committed guys. As of right now, as of today, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I don't think Oregon's bringing anyone else in this weekend that's an official visitor. They might get some t- you know, class of 21 guys, 22 guys, but that's, that's something else. You mentioned Jones. I got a great story. Uh, last night, <clears throat> I was in Roseburg mm-hmm. covering uh, South Medford boys basketball at Roseburg. And one of the Roseburg radio guys is a friend of mine, Scoop Duck Reader. Oh, and gotcha. I, I don't know the username. I think he lurks. But um, he taps me on the shoulder and he says, did you see that picture of Jones and Joe Salavea? Yeah. Like it takes a special – look this up, folks. I think yeah. you put it on the site. Yeah. It takes a special kind of person. To make Joe Salavea look small. Right. Yeah, because he's literally got his arm like on, you know, Joe, like it's his little brother. Amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I mean, you know, and here's the deal. I know I've said this on the site, and it's not rocket science. If you're if you're going to if you're going to miss or if you're going to take a chance, why not take a chance on a six foot six, six foot seven, 340 pound defense alignment? Yes. You, you don't you can't teach that. It's I mean, it's just 
you're gonna go you're gonna go grab that kid and even if he can even if he can't do anything more than stand there and occupy space you've still won not only <laughs> can you not teach what he has but as an offensive coach you can't scheme to stop what he has yeah yeah well especially and here's the thing I I, I think Jason Jones is a good player do I think he's Alabama level maybe not but that said, a guy like that comes into the Pac-12, much like I believe Jordan Scott did. You come in and you're a different breed of player. You're facing, uh, you're facing smaller offensive linemen as a whole in the Pac-12 than the SEC. You're you're facing uh, less athletic offensive linemen as a whole in the Pac-12 versus the SEC. Doesn't make him any worse players. I just think that it really puts you in a position for better success. I agree. I totally agree. I, I It reminds me of the Thibodeau situation <clears throat> yeah. where obviously he would have been good enough to where he would have done everything he's done at Oregon and, sure. and cement himself for an early NFL draft. Yeah. The difference between Thibodeau going to Oregon and Thibodeau going to Alabama is you don't have to wait for two years to get on the field to find out what you can do. At Oregon, they could make room for him. They could give him a package, and he grew into it and and grew past it. Right. And now he can get three years of experience before scouts come calling. Yeah, as much as I love Thibodeau, and I do, uh, if he goes to Alabama, I don't think he starts, first of all, which Thibodeau basically started all year. Uh, second, and, and and not starting doesn't mean he wouldn't have played. Right. I think he would have played. You, you're not, you're not going to have the reps. You're not going to yeah. have the exposure that he got at Oregon. Yeah, he would have had half the reps probably. And ultimately, now everybody's kind of buzzing about Thibodeau because he got nine and a half sacks as a freshman at Oregon. He did. He, he earned them. And trust me, I love him. He should have had more sacks because he had so much others that were like, you know, half a step away. Right. But let's he doesn't even sniff that if he's in the SEC. You know, he's probably lucky to get four, maybe five at best on a good on a good year as a freshman. So I, I think that can be applied to Jason Jones. I'm not saying he comes in and he's the next Thibodeau. I think he needs a little bit more work, a little bit more development. But you're talking about a guy that could have a really strong two, three year career at Oregon, whereas he might be a really, really developmental guy at, at, at Alabama. And, you know, isn't playing till his junior year, which is totally plausible. So, again, I, I think it's great for Oregon. It's, it, you know, if Oregon's able to pull him away from Alabama, um, you know, that creates a buzz. Whether Alabama is going is to take him or that high on him, that doesn't matter. Basically, everybody's going to write a title that says Oregon, you know, pulls Alabama commit if that's what happens. on. He's going to announce on signing day, just so everybody knows, so a week from today. Wow. Feel pretty good about where Oregon stands with him. I actually feel pretty good about where Oregon stands with Weidman as well, but but we'll see. So case in point, uh, as I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, uh, most years or in years past, this is like an, a buzzing. We'd be talking about like 10 to 15 guys that Oregon's still after. Right. And which six or seven are they going to get and finish with? And now we're like basically saying, well, these are really the only two guys left. And you know, Oregon could get both and they don't have to get both. It's kind of a unique, but that's how recruiting's changed because along with that, you used to basically kind of be able to tune out, say from like March to May, you know, as far as recruiting goes. And you can't do that now. Oregon's going to, Oregon's going to get half their class committed, you know, by the time May comes around. So it's a different timeline. I think it's better for fans overall because you have a whole year basically with very little dead spots with regards to recruiting right you know to 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 keep tabs on now sure it's not the big huge push in january like it used to be when chip kelly was around but i think overall if you go back and look and you say man i got i've got 11 months of the year where i can keep a a good eye on recruiting and maybe a couple months where i pay a little closer to attention to where it used to and i know the people that have followed recruiting for for a decade can at least vouch for this. You used to be able to tune out, and if whether it was you know a twenty four seven site or a rival site or a scout site, you used to basically kind of be able to tune out the entire summer, and then you'd cu- kind of like put your toe back in when August would come around. Oh, football's back! I'm gonna start paying attention to the team a little bit. Recruiting still dead, you know. I'll just pay attention a little bit. You know, September. Okay, games are back. I'm gonna pay a little bit more attention. 
the next thing you know, it's like October, November, you know, right in that mid October, everybody really used like as a site, we would start seeing these, the, the, the signups, right. You know, mid October to swell. Yeah. Yeah. Mid October to mid January, it'd be like, you know, we would grow in that amount there, double what we'd grow the rest of the year. Yeah. It didn't matter what part of what site I was part of. That's just how it worked. And now it's just not like that. It's kind of the steady, you know, more of a, you know, yeah, you can maybe kind of tune out a little bit for a couple of weeks in July. You can maybe tune out the second half of February. I think Oregon's planning a junior day in March. Um, and then football starts again in April. So then you watch spring ball. Then they have um, the, the spring game in late April, which is also acts as a big recruiting day. Usually the Ducks get a couple commits after that. You just can't tune out like that anymore. It's kind of, no. but I think it's better for the users. I mean, if you're going to spend 10 bucks a month, you know, or whatever, whatever your site, you're getting to follow it year round. I think, I think it's better overall for everybody. Uh, one more thing, yeah. recruiting related. Yeah. And then you got the floor. Cause that's, that's my last question for football. Um, you mentioned the rankings yeah. that were really kind of pressed and discussed yesterday. I, I think about a tweet that your buddy Corpatti mm-hmm. uh, put in my attention that 24 seven had ranked, uh, DJ uh, Yagalale, yeah, right? Incredible quarterback whose name I just destroyed. Um, the Clemson commit. Sure. The Ducks were looking at. They compared him to Jamarcus Russell. Ouch. Like, how often does that happen uh, with, with you being in those sites for forever? Do, do you see a lot of stuff like that? Hear a lot of stuff like that? You mean in terms of being compared to somebody else? Or just the, the, the dropping of his ranking? Just really weird comparisons like that. Yeah. Yeah. So give me a second. So to the, to the broad question. Yeah. You see a lot of interesting comparisons made. And I know I've said this on the site and I've said it before. There's a couple guys that I, that are really good in this industry at what they do. First off, and I'll I'll say this again. I said it on the site Tuesday when the rankings were coming out, I would never want to be in charge of putting together a list of rankings. You will lose no matter what you do. Some fan base is going to be pissed off at you. Oftentimes it's Oregon, you know, and I get, and I I would say that I do subscribe a little bit to the, you know, SEC bias that I think a lot of Pac-12 fans, and I don't just mean Oregon fans, I mean Pac-12 fans. I believe that's one area where they all come together, (laughs) believing that there's an SEC bias, and I believe there is. Um and, you know, I explained this on the side a little bit. It's it's really difficult to put together a list of rankings. Now, it's fairly easy. I shouldn't say easy, but it's fairly easy comparatively to rate a kid. So, you know, what that means is, hey, you watch, let's, let's say we, we use DJ Ugalali as an example. You watch DJ and you say, hey, look, this kid's a high four-star, low five-star caliber player. That's, you know, it's a little bit broader, right? So that means he could be anywhere, say, like from number 30 to like number 75, you know, ranked player overall. That's a pretty big, you know, that's 45 spots you could put him at. And I probably wouldn't argue much overall. Now, you know, that said, that's just a rating. When you go to a ranking, now you've got to start putting him into a a slot. You know, you're going to say, okay, well, here's the deal. We got Bryce Young, and I'm just using, for example, because yes, we got Bryce Young at number one. You know, in the five stars, you can only have so many quarterbacks. You can't go and put 10 quarterbacks in the in the five-star ring. That's only usually like the top 30, 32, 33 players in the country are five stars. Mm-hmm. And it can vary a little bit. But you can't go and put 10 quarterbacks in there. That's that's just It just won't look right. You know what I mean? You also can't go and put 10 players from the state of Florida in there in those 30. It doesn't look right. It takes not only balance of the player itself, it takes balance of where that kid's committed. It takes balance of where that kid plays his high school football. It takes balance of what position that young man plays. Um, you know, I, I know I've I've been in rankings meetings. I, I understand them. I understand what they're doing. So I can speak on this with a little bit more knowledge than just like, oh yeah, those guys are idiots. They don't know what they're doing. Right. They very much know what they're doing. It's just an incredibly difficult process. So it's not the same way. So here's what you got to understand. It's not the same way that if you're a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, it's not the same way that they go and rank kids. No, they're going to go and rank kids based on need of their football team. Yes. 
and then that kid's talent. A singular thing. Yeah. Not a not a composition of things. Yeah, they don't care if he's a, you know, hey, the, the top need on our board's a corner. Let's go look at the top five corners in the country and see what Those are pretty easy rankings to do overall. You might not get it right. That's where evaluations come into play. I, I think overall the rankings guys, you know, of course you're, you're doing an inexact science to start with. You're taking players out of high school and you don't know if that kid plays. Okay. You kind of know if that kid plays in a tough competition or not. So that's why, like I used to talk to JC Sherbert a lot. He was originally the guy who did rankings on 24 seven sports. Okay. And, and he would, you know, when, when 24 seven first started and he was always, man, I hate ranking kids from Oregon and Idaho right. and Washington and Colorado. Oh, I know exactly why. Yeah, you don't know who they're playing. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you got you got a you got a kid that should be a D one Pac twelve player beating up on a bunch of kids that are never going to sniff that kind of field. Mm-hmm. How good is he? Well, I don't know. You don't know till they show up to a camp, or you know, you see you go see him in person. And let's face it, those guys aren't going to fly out to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, to go watch one singular player. There's not that much time. Takes up too much resources. Mm-hmm. Now, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like J.C. Sherbert or Barton Simmons or Steve Wiltfong that do, you know, handle rankings now, those guys will go fly to L.A. and in two days can go hit eight schools and see 40 kids that belong in the top 300 of rankings. So if you're writing a check, what makes more sense? Go send somebody to Coeur d'Alene for the day to see one kid, right. send them to L.A. for two days and see 40 kids, right. which is not an exaggeration by any means. You could go to three schools. You could go to Modern Day and St. John Bosco and see 20 kids right there, just in those two schools alone. Yeah. And you could, you could hit those schools in a morning and an afternoon. It's almost, you use the NFL comparison of how a team builds their board versus how a recruiting site does their rankings. Yeah. I, I want to lean on that because it's almost like people wonder, why does the SEC get so many first-round picks? Right. Well, it's easy. Right. Yeah. If you want to find talent, go to the schools that have the most talent. Yeah. You want to go, you know, find talent for high school ball. Yeah. You go to modern day. You go to these big time powers in SoCal where, you know, you fly quick drive out. And yeah. You find talent. That's the thing. Like a lot of us don't really comprehend out west, at least. And, I, and I'm talking about out west, not just Oregon. But you drop a pin anywhere in that southeast. Anyway, you pick, you pick Alabama, you pick Georgia, Tennessee, whatever. You drop a pin anywhere there and draw, let's just say, a 400-mile radius around it. You could see thousands of kids. Right. And 400 miles isn't right. that far. Right. I mean, really, what are we talking about? A five-hour drive? This is a six-hour drive? In any direction, and you'll see a thousand kids. You can't do that out west. No. You drop a pin in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and you got to go 600 miles in any direction to see maybe two dozen. I, I can speak from experience. Maybe, uh, and you know, cause you live in Oregon and you've got a, a nephew that plays high school ball. And I cover high school ball here. You drop a pin in the state and this is a huge state. Yes. You know, you go seven hours in one direction. You're still in Oregon. Yeah. And there's maybe 10 kids. Yeah. And not, not just D one. We saw this with Trey Foster the other day. There's maybe 10 kids that can just play college ball. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah, you're not even talking about Division One football. You're like you said, you know Trey Foster. I watched him play basketball last night um, uh, because my son played JV, and then I caught the fourth quarter of the varsity game after. Um, you know, committed to Western Oregon. He'd visited Oregon a couple times. Oregon wasn't going to take him as a as a scholarship player. You know, maybe a walk on or something. Maybe, um, and I think even then that was a ways off. And and just last night. Watch it, and, and granted, this is basketball, but I've watched him in football too. Yeah, crazy athlete. There's no question. By far, he was the most athletic kid on the field with one foot. Like, he could be one-legged and still be the most – like, and it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, i got to be careful how I say this. All the basketball team had to do to win was just say, Trey, go down there. Right. And throw him the ball. Yes. That was it. Yes. And nobody could out-rebound him. Nobody was blocking a shot. It was easy. And a, and a kid like that, and, I, and I'll say I like Trey a lot, but, I mean, there's a there's a big difference between his athleticism and then the kids that you go down to Florida and meet or yes. Georgia or um, you know, or even in L.A., some of those cats. Um, I, I feel like we're talking a lot about rankings, and I'm not here to pick on 24-7 sports or rivals or ESPN, anybody who ranks. I get how hard it is. We have our own um, ratings on Scoop Duck, and I feel they're really good. I, you know, I – 
me and Core Patty and um, <laughs> and Mud and QB11, we have a little group uh, group text chat that anytime I'm going to put a rating, again, this is not a ranking, I'm talking about a rating, a numerical number. So if you go look right now, you know, on Scoop Duck, and I'm pulling it up because I haven't done any ratings in, in quite some time for the current commits, I haven't moved anybody. You know, I feel really good about the fact that we put, I think, a 99 on flow. Well, yeah. Hey, I'm pulling it up as I'm doing this. Yeah, and, and and just to hammer home your point, like we're not bashing the other guys and we're not trying to pump you up, but that sounds a lot better to me, you know, that yeah. he's a 99 rated right. versus, oh, yeah, he's not a top 10 ranking. Yeah. Because it's irrelevant, really. Right. You can be 99 rated and still not be ranked by a group of people in the top 10 of yeah. something. And and I I gotta correct myself. I have him as a one hundred, and I have Noah Sewell as a ninety nine. So right now, if you That's look, insane. I mean, I feel really good about it. right now. If you look at, and I'm just I haven't updated anything. I haven't adjusted it. So Justin Flo's our number one rated Oregon commit. Noah Sewell's our number two rated commit. Seems pretty fair and logical. Yeah. Dante Manning is our number three rated Oregon commit. I haven't updated these in probably. Two months. Well, obviously, I added Dante Manning, and then we put a rating with him. But um, Luke Hill is our fourth-rated commit on Oregon's list. So, again, I, I feel really good. But these aren't rankings. Keep in mind, I'm only rating guys that are committed to Oregon and, and how I see their skill set. Is Justin Flo probably going to be a bona fide, really good player for Oregon in his career? I feel pretty good saying that. And I can say the same for Noah Sewell. That's why they're 99 and 100s. Uh, you know, Dante Manning, even before he blew up uh, at the Under Armour game with his performances, I listed him as a 97. And so, again, these aren't rankings. I don't have him as the 97th best player in the country. I'm just saying his rating's a 97. So uh, it looks like the national average for him has around 95. But Luke Hill's number four for us. I have Jaden Neverett at number five. I don't think anybody else even has him remotely that close from the ranking services. I love Navarrete. You just don't see athletes like him that move around the way he does. I have Trey Benson right after him, followed by Bennett Williams. So we're a little bit different than what everybody else is doing, and I'm okay with that. I, I believe in what I'm doing and what we're seeing. Right. And again, it's not just me. It's me and Core Patty, and it's QB11, and it's Mud, and basically we all put kind of put in a number, and I take the average. So, you know, if Core Patty thinks that, you know, Noah Sewell's a 99 and QB11 says he's a 99, you know, you you know, by the end of the day, if there's three people saying 99, I'm going to go with that, right. even if I think he's a 95. So that's how our ratings work. But again, ratings are much easier than rankings. I think if you're if you're a fan and you follow recruiting and I've I've kind of felt this way for a year or two, I don't know that I've vocalized it. Most of your recruiting services will have an average rating of your class. And I always take and look at that and compare it to other schools and then rank where your class is at. Because I think some schools can get really top heavy and some schools can be carried by signing a bigger class and having a bunch of three stars, but they still get all those points for them. So the total points is a little bit off. That's why I say if you take the average star rating, I always feel like that's the best indicator of where your class is truly ranked. No doubt. And, and you might not need a massive class every year. So it's yeah. just a matter of, you know, what what, what caliber talent are you bringing in? Um, I feel pretty good about football. Uh, do you have any other things you want to hit on this week? No, it's just, it's funny. For I don't No, I mean, it's just funny that we were talking about North Dakota State for a few minutes and. I saw QB11 was arguing with some of those North Dakota State fans yesterday <laughs> on Twitter. Man, they are they are a vicious bunch. And then the people were posting that on the site. My response was, well, if you lived in North Dakota, what the hell else would you have to do? Right. I mean, well, I mean, talk about, <laughs> talk about the SEC. Talk yeah. about why there's so much talent down there. Yeah. What else is there to do but play football? Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, it's winter there. So, I mean, what are they under? 40 inches of snow. Good Lord. Everywhere. Yeah. And negative eight. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but I know it's not warm there. Yeah. And it snows. I did a... Uh, and I'm not visiting anytime soon. I do a couple of broadcasts every year for Southern Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, NAIA school here locally in uh, Ashland, for those who don't know. SOU, baby. And uh, anyway, um, 
I remember one year I did a freelance broadcast. It was a uh, NAIA playoff game with SOU and a school from uh, Dickinson, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And the producer back at this station in South Dakota, he told me, he goes, yeah, yesterday we had snow and lightning. (laughs) <laughs> I've never seen that. Right. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they, they get miserable weather back there. If there I, is nothing to talk about, nothing to do, nothing to cover mm-hmm. but football. Yeah. I mean, if I was, if I saw that, I would probably think the apocalypse was coming. I'd go get in my doomsday shelter and be like, oh, it's over. Thank God I live in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. I'm going in the shelter. Bye. <laughs> no, uh, my, uh, ironically enough, my ex-wife grew up in Sioux Falls. So I've been to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, while we were married, um, I don't know, three or four times. And Sioux Falls is pretty nice in the summer. But, yeah, I mean, it gets to be negative eight. It's cold. It's, it snows a lot. I mean, um, and I know that that's not even the coldest part of the state. Obviously, there's a lot of other areas of the state that are even worse. But uh, So I've been back there, and I've seen it. Um, I, I, you know, if anybody's listening and you live in South Dakota, no, no offense. I don't plan on moving there anytime soon. It was nice, but I would never <laughs> live there. Um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise it, it is a nice state. Been to the mall of America a couple of times cause it's just a few hour drive right. from suit, you know, and that, that is, uh, that is definitely interesting as well. But, um, yeah, been and watched the twins game. I've been out there and watched the twins game. I think twice, uh, the old, the old twin stadium, the big, the dome, the big dome. Yeah. I was in there. But, yeah, so there's the little history lesson there. But, yeah, other than that, football, we got a long ways to talk about that. Uh, got a big week for recruiting. I wish I, I, w- I wish there was more I could sit here and sell you on in recruiting, but there's just not, and that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. If you are in a spot, you know, Oregon was a little bit more in the spot last year. If you're in a spot where you're kind of scrambling to side guys at this point in the year, it's probably not going well for you. So – I will use an example that we're all aware of. USC's down there scrambling the Jets, trying to get a hold of everybody. Oh, I'd hope so. They like guys that aren't even remotely on Oregon's radar and probably aren't on Washington's radar either. USC's down there scrambling. That's not the position you want to be in right now. So I take it as a win. I take it as a positive that Oregon's basically recruiting two guys, one committed to mighty Alabama, one committed to Florida State. Those are probably two pretty good guys to go ahead and go after uh, any day of the week. Uh, And even then, even if Oregon, I don't think they will, but even if Oregon missed out on both of them, they'd still be fine. Like they're, they're guys that could fill some needs right now, but they're not immediate needs. And I, I got to believe that with the way the graduate transfer market is right now flush with talent, you can you could probably miss on both of them and still be fine. I'm with you. It's a good problem to have. You still have an awesome class, mm-hmm. 199 in the linebacking core. I mean, that's unreal. Yeah. And a uh, whole lot to be happy about. Yeah. No, um, Mario, again, Mario Cristobal and his staff laid the groundwork in the spring and summer. That's when all the real recruiting work went into play because they really haven't added too many commits since the season started. So, I guess keep that in mind as signing day hits next week and you think, oh, I can tune out now until August or September or whatever. Well, you can if you want to, but you're going to miss a lot in the meantime. All right. How about five or ten minutes on basketball? Let's do it. Okay. Let's play some basketball! I don't know about you, um, Scott Bolt, your your photographer, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, I thought he had some great work, and there was a picture. I'm not sure if it was Register Guard or Oregonian, but somebody Sunday, I thought, really captured the weekend and and everything going on in the world in a nutshell. Uh, the uh, the picture of Civil War women's hoops in Corvallis, literally minutes after the world found out what happened with Kobe and right. his young daughter. Um, and I will never forget this picture. I mean, literally picture tells a thousand world uh, words, Oregon state players in an embrace with Oregon players and the rivalry doesn't matter. Right. And these girls are sobbing and these girls are just loving. And that really struck me. That yeah. Was beautiful. Yeah. No, it's uh 
you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. I know Washington fans and Oregon fans love to talk shit back and forth, but let's face it, we're all we're all in this race together. Um, you know, the Kobe Bryant thing, I love to see the um, the girl dad movement out there. Uh, obviously, I have a daughter, so I embrace that. Um, you know, you, you you hear the stories more and more about Kobe and all of his generosity and so many things he did that he specifically asked for no PR on. Said, "Hey, I don't I don't want anybody to know. Right? Whatever you need, I'm here. I'll financially help them. I want to meet these kids. I want to meet these people. I want to impact their lives. I don't need everybody else to know about it. I mean, it's just." You know, it's, it lets you know that that's a person doing it for all the right reasons. Right. Not, you know, I, I need a positive PR spin. Because let's face it, you know, after, for Kobe in particular, after 2003, you know, had the uh, the rape case and whatever, you know, whatever came from that, you can read on it. I'm not going to, you know, whatever side you're on. I'm sure he had a little, little rebuilding to do there. But the person that we saw here 15, 17 years later, is a totally different guy. I agree grew i mean just he matured he i mean that 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 is just and we all we should embrace that to to put another spin on the way you say that for me the the person that i thought he was the majority of his career yeah was influenced by that sure and the the light bulb going off for me um, was two things. One was when he retires, you saw the relentless competitor become a relentless father. Yeah, and and really just buy into his daughter and his other daughters' lives, and and own just being the best dad he could be. That went a long way with me. Yeah. Um, the second thing was we've spoken with Kelly Graves before. The stories that Kelly would tell about Kobe, yeah, and the mentorship and the influence that Kobe had, not just on Sabrina, yeah, because that's, no, that's yeah. everybody's talking point on Which, Sunday was, in this market. Yeah, it has yeah. to do with Sabrina, but yeah, the impact that he had on that whole team at yeah. Oregon, and the impact that he had on women's basketball, yeah, and the on WNBA, the WNBA yeah. that is phenomenal, yeah. I, I think he was actually doing more for women's basketball than men's. Yes, his legacy, no his his bat, his NBA legacy, you know, left a lasting imprint on the NBA. But I think his 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 efforts and his focus and his work was all all efforting on building and impacting women's basketball in a positive way. Yeah, and and what, and, I, and I think it. You know, obviously, it started at the the uh, the teenage level. His daughter was thirteen, and I know he's obviously very involved there and working not only with her but with her team and and, and uh, you know running his gym down there. I don't know if I want to call it gym, but you know what I mean. Uh, just, I mean, just tremendous to see somebody take that, like you say, take that Mamba mentality, take it off the court, and take it into real life and say, "Hey, how can I make a difference here?" And he and he did over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a. Uh, it, it's refreshing and you know I we grow up idolizing these guys like you know you you, you go and you grow up idolizing like a, a Jerry Rice or these other guys you know Jerry Rice's kid is signing with Colorado as a part of the 2020 class his name was Brendan Rice Oregon was recruiting him mm-hmm. totally different relationship with his dad than Kobe seemingly having with his daughter yes and yes or or as a raider fan i'll bring up uh george atkinson the third yeah of great athlete uh notre dame fans might remember him yeah no college football you know the name yeah um his dad wasn't really there no yeah no and he and the atkinson twins both of them are no longer a part of this world his his boys yeah. i mean uh just you know awful tough story not awful but just really difficult stories that you know, when you get to kind of know, kind of, and I suppose that's a part of the social media world now. You some of this stuff gets leaked out more, and we probably tend to learn more, um, you know, about our our role models or our stars than we'd like to. But in this particular instance, the more we seem to find out about Kobe Bryant, like we're just revealing all these layers of like, holy shit, what a freaking awesome person this was. Yeah, not an awesome basketball player. What an awesome person this was. You know, and so. A um, lot of lives impacted, obviously, not just Kobe's. Um, you know, I guess that's there. I know I wrote about it, wrote a little something about Kobe. 
um, you know, really just hits home, you know, with me, with my kids and just making sure I stay involved and stay active because let's face it, kids that have involved parents, whether they're boys or girls, whether they have, they have involved parents that show them love and security and support are typically going to have success in their later years. It's, 100% agree. It, it's, it's just so important. So it doesn't mean you have to coddle them. doesn't mean you have to buy them everything they want, but you can't replace time, you know, yeah. taking them to the park or going to watch their games or, you know, as simple as in Kobe's case, <laughs> having a private helicopter so you could drop off and pick up your kids from school. Obviously not something we can all afford, but <laughs> yeah. to go to that extreme just for something as simple, hey, I want to I want to drop them off at school and I want to pick them up. I want to be the face they see, you know, so pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. But uh, Oregon basketball. Yeah. All that said, you know, it just there was so much going on this weekend. I thought it was amazing what the ladies did. Yeah, because that Oregon State team is no slouch. <clears throat> They're no slouch. And I mean, there's. There's really nothing else to be said about Sabrina Ionescu that's a hot take at this point, but probably to, you know, be able to hear that news in the locker room and 10 minutes later go out and play a basketball game against a top 10 opponent. Against your arch rival. Your arch rival. They're, they're rivals. Yeah. I mean, and, and a team that can beat you because they, they do match up. Well, they do match up as well as you can against Oregon. You know that that takes that takes really special some sort of focus there to be able to kind of put that aside and get that done. But um, the women don't have it any easier this week. They've got no what, three games, right? Yeah, yeah, three games starting Thursday. And you you got to yeah. play Stanford. I'm pretty sure. Oh goodness, yeah. Here let's look. Thursday, January 30th at Utah seven. Saturday, February 1st at Colorado at one. And Monday, you got UConn. Okay, so so I was wrong. I think I think Stanford is coming up, but I remember talking with uh, Joey Mack, yeah. Ducks play-by-play guy, about that UConn game. Oh baby! And this is so beautiful because I remember growing up, you weren't even in the title contention until you played UConn, right? And then you weren't seriously a team that could win a national title unless you beat UConn. Yeah, and if nobody beat UConn. No one was going to beat UConn. Yeah. They were the national champs. It yeah. was just every year. 30-0, and they just win. Right, right. I mean, they they had like what, like 100 straight wins or something crazy like yeah. that? If Oregon beats UConn, college basketball will break. Yeah. It'll, it'll be just absolute chaos. It'll be pretty it, – yeah, I mean, gosh. And that's no easy task because you're going to UConn. I mean, that's just – that's saying something. So – uh, yeah, obviously it goes out saying Sabrina's going to have to be on her A game on that one. I mean, they just, Oregon's going to have to be clicking, but you got to get past Utah and Colorado first. There's no doubt they're not overlooking them, but those aren't just walkthroughs. So, but yeah, gosh, that game on Monday. Holy That's going to be something. Holy smoke. That's going to be something. And then, you know, talk about what the ladies did of, of really riding the ship and making a statement with a sweep of your arch rival. The men... Are they blowing teams out? No. No. Are they playing like a national championship contender? No. No. But they're playing like a Pac-12 title contender. And who they're is playing? And who is playing like a national championship contender right now? Oh, I know. Oh, I mean, honestly, on the, on the men's side, it is a gauntlet. It's a mess. Yeah. If you're in the top twenty, maybe twenty-five, you got a shot. You got a legitimate shot. Um, it's just it's kind of a crapshoot this year, which is kind of fun. Um, I do, it doesn't bother me one bit. So yeah, I, I think I think if you're Oregon. You got you got you got two things on your mind right now. If you're obviously you got to keep winning, but aside from that, you got to stay healthy, and you got to keep getting better. And we know that Dana Allman's teams about this time start, you know, I'm using you know they start ticking a little bit. You know, you're gonna you're gonna go from one to two here yes. in the next week or so. You're gonna go from two to three here, you know, a week after that, and then hopefully come March, you're kind of pegged at that four to five spot where you're maxed out. Like here we go, it's go time. As long as you're healthy and you continue that uptick that he has traditionally had at this time of the year, you know, Oregon's going to definitely be a, te a team there. You were right, however, about Oregon playing Stanford. You're just wrong gender. Okay. Right. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Bay Area weekend. This is, them. yeah, it's at Cal Thursday for Oregon men's, and then Saturday the men are at Stanford. 
So yeah, you were right on Stanford. Is just the wrong. I, you know, it's it's the head cold. <laughs> is what it is. I just my brain just can't think. That is that is that is five basketball games over the next five days. That's amazing. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. If you're an Oregon fan and you love and you love hoops, you're in the money. Maybe love seeing those unis, those uh, throwbacks. Oh, yeah, and there's oh, and there's Sabrina uh, jerseys back in the in the stores. I see. I think somebody was posting about that yesterday afternoon. Wow, that they got some of the Sabrina jerseys back in. I, I've asked this question a couple times over the years. If you had to guess, because you know we're both older dudes, we're not on campus, right. we're not students at Oregon. But if you had to guess, we're going to Taylor Saturday night, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Is she the creepy most old dudes in the corner at Taylor? Who are, who are those guys? We'll fit in real yeah. well. Um, <clears throat> is she the most popular person at Oregon? I mean, Herb's probably was up there, but he's uh, he's graduated and done. I would and at this point, so yeah. I mean, I, I think she has to be. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I, I would is, guess since Marcus, she's number one. Yeah, she she is. But boy, I tell you what, Peyton Pritchard's playing some freaking great basketball. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. And it's great to see just because he's an Oregon boy and yeah. you know and doing Westland High. I mean, that guy is. I honestly did not think he was. I'll say it. I didn't think he was first round material, probably up until about halfway last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it, and now this year, you're. I'm sitting here looking at going. How do you not draft this kid? Top fifteen, top twenty overall. I don't know how you couldn't. Yeah. I mean, sure, a little bit limited in some of the measurables, but I mean, just the way he shoots the ball and the way he protects the ball and he plays great defense and smart guy. I mean relentless competitor i I mean you've definitely got a spot for him in the nba i just had this conversation last night with some local coaches of course basketball is an athletic game it's a physical game all right you want big strong fast guys that can dunk and block and jump and and shoot and do all of those things sure but it's also a mental and emotional game yeah because you have to be just adrenaline focused for four quarters yeah and you are going to make shots you're going to make big plays you're going to have these huge highs yeah and then immediately the other end of the floor you're going to get dunked on yeah or you're going to get a shot blocked or you're going to get a pass stolen and you can't dwell on that yeah you you can't dwell on anything you've just got to be focused the whole time i don't know if peyton pritchard is going to be the, the biggest guy, the fastest guy, sure. the best dunker, best shooter. But I have no doubt about his focus. Yeah, he's not Zion Williamson. I mean, he's not. He's not. I mean, Zion's a special beast. He's, he's not. He, he doesn't have those types of measurables. He doesn't have Kobe Bryant measurables. I mean, obviously, not not many six foot five, six foot four guys grow on trees that can handle the ball and and shoot threes in your face. You know, just like that. But. That said, with with the with the size that he has, which isn't a huge deterrent, he's really really good. And and I I agree with you. I actually think I actually think basketball is more of a mental sport than football. I mean, in football, there you definitely have to be smart. Right. But but in football, you've got thirty seconds of pause between plays. I think football football is a lot more instinctual to me than it is mental. You're more than likely going to be put into a place for success or failure based on what your coaches have told you to do at that point it's an instinct it's you know right basketball like you said i mean you're going to come up the court and you know you might be running your offense and all of a sudden you see your backside guy could cut and get an easy bucket i mean there's so much more being processed there you know you might get a screen and realize oh man my guy's screening but if i just hold for a second and he rolls we got an easy dunk there's just so many other things that are going on I believe it's a far more mental sport than football is. And that's not to take away from football because it's plenty mental. But um, like you said, in a 20-second span, you can go from dunking to getting dunked on. You literally just – yeah, you ha- you have to have the – you know, we always talk about with quarterbacks in, in, in football. You oh, get a totally. short-term memory, right? You throw a pick, you got to go to the sideline. And when you come back out, you got to forget you threw that pick a few minutes ago. And, and that's the best example of sports, of that phenomenon, yeah. is, is quarterback. But, like, with basketball, everybody has to feel like that. Right. Yeah, like, I missed a pass or I didn't catch a pass or I missed a shot or my guy scored a bucket on me. All five people at some point are going through like some sort of a high and low, and it's really, really, uh, really delicate to manage. It's uh, 
and I can only imagine, you know, maybe even more so on the women's. They're, they're, you know, women are typically a bit more emotional than men overall, and that's I don't believe that's a sexist statement. I think even most women agree with that. But you know, you've got to you've got to have really special women like Sabrina and the rest of the team that can really manage those emotions in game. You know what I mean? Not let the high get too high. And I think Sabrina does a tremendous job of that. She might go out and dagger a three in somebody's eye, but still plays it cool. Right. And that's, that's tough. That's to not get like super jacked up. It's funny. Cause like Marcus Mariota, another example, he goes out and makes these great plays and just kind of walks off the field. And you're like, dude, why are you not high-fiving people? Right. You know, <laughs> it's just who he is. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I, I will say this. We can wrap on, on this note. I learned more about her Sunday, uh, Sabrina, and what she overcame and how she battled. Learned more about her Sunday than I've ever learned about her in my years covering her. Uh, just incredible the way that, that she played through that and yeah. and played in tribute of the uh, the legacy that he has and the impact that he had with her. So yeah. that was that was incredible to me on Sunday. Oregon I, ladies, they're they're amazing to me. Yeah. Love what they're doing. Oregon men. They're Love, getting there. They're getting there. I think. They're getting there. Duarte's heating up, man. That's pretty exciting. Love seeing that Dana Altman team grow. Yeah. Duarte's what they needed. It, it, it like They couldn't just go as far as Peyton would carry him. At some point, that would get them into trouble. So now if Duarte's scoring, and if they can just work the glass and clean those boards up, they've got the team. Yeah. Yeah. It's close. You're starting to see something going there, and we'll get a chance to look at that this weekend. Ducks with a big test on the men's side and a, uh, a bigger one coming up Monday on the women's side. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi if you want to listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much anywhere else that you want to listen. Just look for Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, and thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. I can do this now.